And most of all, just praising God. Just praising God for His goodness in our life, His generosity in our life, the ability that we've had to be able to do this. Uh, We've had, in particular, a few givers in our church that uh, have given beyond what you can even imagine to pay down this mortgage. So thank the Lord for them as well. Okay? So praise the Lord. You know, today I have a goal for you. I have a goal for us together, and that is that we're going to leave this place hopefully being more thankful than when we came in. My goal is that together we would focus on who Jesus is. I'm going to keep it simple this morning. I don't want to really burden you with a lot. But as we come into Thanksgiving week, I want us to really leave this place this morning really having a deeper understanding of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. We're going to worship our way through the service this morning. That's why the band is up here with us. So we're going to do that together as well. But have you noticed that um, life is easier to be thankful when you've had a good day? Anybody notice that? Like when you've had a great day, pretty easy to think God is good, right? When you've had a bad day or a bad week or a bad year, it's a little harder than to see God as good. And it's a little harder to have a thankful heart uh, when you have had something that's gone wrong with your day or your month or your year. But the, the fact of the matter is that even on our worst day, can you say worst day? Worst day. Even on our worst day, we need to remember that we've still been forgiven of our sin. We still walk in grace. We've been saved from judgment and from punishment that we deserved. We experienced this thing called mercy, the undeserved favor of God in Christ Jesus. And and then not only that, but then then God chooses to live in us and provides us with this beautiful thing called comfort. I don't know about you, but I think every day of my life I run to God for His comfort. I do. I need His comfort Every day, and I know that you do too. And so every day, honestly, every day, when I get up in the morning, I am thankful for Jesus. I am. Anybody else? Just really thankful for the Lord Jesus and what He has done in our lives because His mercy is new for us every morning. We just sang about that. His mercy is brand new every morning. And why do we need mercy every morning? Because every morning, life brings us troubles, And life brings us things that we call afflictions. And there was this man named Jeremiah, and he was a prophet. He was a man of God. He was one of God's chosen prophets on the planet. And even he writes a whole book called Lamentations, where he cries out in grief and sorrow over the afflictions of his life. At the time he writes this, he is old, he is mocked, he's imprisoned, he's chained, and he even is blaming God for his suffering. Because he figured if God wanted to, he could set him free, right? And here's what Jeremiah laments. He says, remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood. Oh, there's a good word for you to use when you're feeling down. The wormwood and the gall or the bitterness. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. My soul is, is, is like on its face within my body. In other words, my sorrow or my trouble is always on my mind. I want to ask you this morning, do you ever feel afflicted? You know, Joel prayed for a family this morning named the Cowan family, and I can tell you that they feel afflicted this week. I can tell you that the friends of Jake feel afflicted this week. I can tell you that the students of Linden School feel afflicted this week because that's what comes as we go through these hard times. It's these feelings of affliction. Do you ever feel like sometimes the struggle is more than you deserve? Let me see. 
Come on, it's okay to be honest. Like, I didn't, what did I do to deserve this? I've said that numerous times. And sometimes we don't do anything to deserve it. Sometimes the enemy of our soul is just attacking, and I feel that a lot. You know, those of us in pastoral ministry, we feel that not only for ourselves, but we feel it for you. You know, so sometimes when you're caring for people, you carry the load of not only your own affliction, but their affliction. You'd be surprised if I told you some of the things that our own staff have walked through in these last few months. You'd be surprised. So let's look at that word affliction just for a minute as we set up how good Jesus is. Because you don't really know how good Jesus is until you know how bad life can be, right? So the word affliction, it can be physical, physical problems, pain. It can be mental health related, depression, anxiety. Uh, It can be relational, problems in your marriage or problems in your family, problems with your friends. It can be financial. Uh, Financial problems can present a lot of pressure in your life where it feels like you're afflicted financially. There can be things happening not to you but to people that you love. And that can bring affliction in your life. You can even feel afflicted by politics. Anybody want to say amen to that? How many of you feel afflicted just reading the news? I mean, right? That affliction, just kind of that oppression can come. But here's what Jeremiah says. See, he doesn't leave us hanging on affliction or on sorrow. He tells you how bad it is so that he can tell you how good it is. And here's how he follows up. He says, even in my affliction... This I call to my mind, or this I remind myself of, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Would you say never ceases with me? Never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They're new. Every morning you get up, you step into the mercies of God that are new for you every morning just for that day, kind of like the manna on the ground It's new mercy for you. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. So Jeremiah says we must call this to mind. He says that because we so quickly forget, myself included, how good Jesus is to us, how good he's been to us, because of the afflictions that we go through in life. And so we have to call back to mind. One of the great things about worship together as a, as a body of Christ, as a church, is that together we call to mind the truth and the faithfulness of God through singing. And so we've got to call to mind every day the steadfast love and the goodness and the mercies of the Lord that are new for us every morning. And so I believe this morning as we set our hearts and our minds toward Thanksgiving Day that the best way to win over affliction is to simply be thankful. So number one in your notes today, we are thankful for the assurance of salvation from Jesus. We are thankful for Jesus. Amen? So this is what I call to mind. This is what I do as a follower of Christ when I'm trying to reconcile God's goodness with the affliction of life, the hard times. Because the fact is that we believe that God is good even when life is bad, right? God is good all the time, all the time. God is good. He is. How do we reconcile that with the times in life that are really bad? And for me, it's this. It's the fact that God 
has already proven himself. God has already expressed himself to us, his love for us in Christ. We don't have to expect him to do another good thing, although he does, for us because he has already done so much for us. He has loved us amazingly well in Christ. And just starting with the assurance of salvation. You know, I can get up in the morning and I can know the day is going to be tough because I have the assurance that I am one of his own children. Anybody else? Does that help you with things like affliction, things like difficult times? You know, we do this online Bible study. About 260 people are a part of this reading through the Bible in a year. And yesterday, Sally Bowen, who's a part of my online Bible study, commented, God is my everything today. I am joyful because of Jesus. And it just blessed me to know that that this woman took the time just to write it down as a response to our Bible study in Revelation that God is good to her and she's joyful because of Jesus. Paul says in Romans 5.8, God showed His great love. In other words, He's already loved us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we've been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, He will certainly save us from God's condemnation. That is worth getting up for in the morning. And so today, as we set our hearts toward Thanksgiving, we pause to say, Jesus, thank you. Thank you, Jesus, that I'm made right in God's sight. Thank you, Jesus, that I no longer carry the burden of guilt and shame that I used to carry. Thank you, Jesus, that you've washed my life clean. You know, as a young man, I did things, I said things that caused tremendous shame, tremendous guilt in my life, tremendous feeling of condemnation. And I can tell you that today I stand before you no longer bound by those feelings, not because of what I've done, but because of what Jesus has done for me. Anybody else been washed from your past? And you no longer carry the burden of guilt and shame anymore. It's kind of like taking a shower before you go to work in the morning. You know, just getting yourself clean, letting yourself be cleansed. I love that shower time and just feeling washed. And the same is true when you call to mind the mercies of the Lord. It's like taking a mercy shower in the morning. And so that you don't have to carry through the the stuff of the day that is going to try to attach itself to you. So today I say to you, remind yourself and be thankful for the goodness of Jesus and His salvation that He saved us. Ephesians 2.8, let me just add to this thankfulness. God saved you by His grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for it or salvation. It's a gift from God. So now, the difference from before, everybody's doing this 10 years ago photo, you know, on Facebook. 10 years ago I looked like this. Now I look like this. I think there's some photoshopping going on. I don't know. That's my personal take on this. But now, you know, before Christ and after Christ, before I lived my life bound by affliction and nowhere to turn, now I live my life with Jesus and always having the opportunity to turn and to call to mind His mercies to help me. Waiting for Jesus to return. Waiting for Him to take us home, right? Either one. And do you know why God is taking His time to take us home? Do you know why? Does anybody know why God is taking His time to take us home? Scripture tells us He's not willing for anyone to perish. 
So God's holding out for that last thousand, two thousand, hundred thousand, million people that have yet to repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Peter said in 2 Peter 3, he said, The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, but He's patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all, can you say all? All would come to repentance. So God is still at this very moment holding out, waiting for thousands of people, maybe millions of people still to come to Christ before His return. Paul said in 2 Corinthians, In Christ God was reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. So this morning, just for starters, let's take a moment and let's really focus our attention on Jesus. And let's focus our attention on this salvation that He's given us freely, that we have said yes to, you know, we've, we've believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and the goodness and the gift of eternal life, His grace in our life. So let's stand up together. And really this morning as we worship Him, Jesus Messiah, let's focus the worship of our attention on His salvation. How we have eternity with Him to look forward to because of what He's done for us. Come on, let's worship Jesus together.
Okay, so now, just in your space this morning, just where you're at as an individual, you can close your eyes if you'd like. What I'd like you to do, and I think what Jesus would love for you to do, is just in your own space, in your own quiet moment, just in your heart, thank Him. Thank Him this morning. Say, thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Thank you for this grace that you've given me. Thank you for washing me clean. Thank you for forgiving my sin. Come on, just in your heart, tell him this morning. It's so good to thank him. And Jesus, this morning, we thank you as a church. We thank you corporately for saving us. Yes, as individuals, but also as your church, along with the the millions of people around the world for all time that have said yes to you, Jesus. We we're part of the bride of Christ, the glorious church. And so, Lord, we say thank you for reconciling us and for choosing us before the foundations of the world to be your church in Christ, and that we could go through eternity with you. And so we thank you this morning, Jesus, and help our attention this week to remain on you. Thank you, Jesus. Go ahead and have your seats. Praise the Lord. Isn't he good? so good to have those focused moments. Well, not only are we thankful to Jesus for his salvation, which is primary in our life, right? But the second thing we're thankful for today is the fact that he doesn't just leave it at this sort of impersonal salvation, but we're thankful today for a daily personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We're thankful today that Jesus wants a relationship with us and that we can have conversation with him all day long because of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. So i got to tell you today, I'm so thankful that God chose to live in me. And I hope that you're thankful that he chose to live in you. Uh, What a wonderful thing it is to have a daily, all day, every minute of the day, if you want, relationship, interaction with Jesus through the Holy Spirit. It's a wonderful thing. And I believe that the first thing that really helps this relationship to be healthy this relationship with Jesus, is when I recognize Him as Lord. You know, it's one thing to have Jesus as Savior. It's another thing to recognize Him as Lord and to allow Him to establish Lordship over our life where we bring our life under His authority and we allow Him to be the Lord of our life. In other words, to do what He says. To do what He says. To follow His Word and to do what He says. This, I believe, is the most important aspect of our relationship with him Uh, because Jesus knows what's best for us and when we bring our lives under his lordship or under his authority and we call him lord as a part of this relationship then our life is going to be the best that it could ever be not only is it the right thing not only is it glorifying to him but our life is also the best that it will ever be if we choose to walk under his authority as he lays out in his word Romans 1.4, Paul said he was shown to be the Son of God when he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is Jesus Christ, our Lord. You know, the beautiful thing about Jesus being Lord is that he does good things with your life. I have found that I'm pretty good at ruining my life. Anybody else? I'm pretty good at being selfish. I'm pretty good at making bad choices. Jesus is really, really good at coaching me and guiding me into the things that are best for my life. He says, let me have lordship over your life, and your life will be the best it's ever been. 
your life will be good. Let me have lordship over your marriage. How many of you know that would be a good thing? Let me have lordship over your friendships. Let me have lordship over your business. And your business will be the best that it could ever be. So lordship, I think, is the most important aspect of this relationship with Jesus. But our relationship is not only lordship. Our relationship is also with a loving heavenly father. A loving heavenly father. John says in 1 John 3, 1, See how much the father loves us, for he calls us his children. And that is what we are. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I talked about how important it is for us to see ourselves as a child of God. And again, maybe some of you had an experience with a father that was not altogether positive. And I could say, I join you in that. A lot of things my dad did great. There were some things he didn't do well. And so we can come to God, our father, with kind of a skewed perspective. But what I want you to know today is that he's the perfect father. He's the perfect father. And so for you to see him as your father means that he's not like your dad, potentially, but he is in himself the perfect father, always wants what's best for you. As a parent, this is, this is how I know when I'm like God, like his image, is when I want what's best for my kids. And it's when I'll hold out for what's best for my kids. And it's when I won't fall to enablement but I will stay steady and strong and help them reach what's best for them. That is when I know I'm being a good dad. And that's God's heart for you always. One of the things that's beautiful about a relationship with our Heavenly Father as His child is that you don't have to ever fear punishment from Him. Do you know that? Now, He'll let you experience results and consequences of your bad choices. So do I. It's called love and logic, right? But God won't punish you because Jesus took on the punishment. So there may be consequences to your sins. But you can rest assured that when you come to your Heavenly Father, He just wants to guide you into what's best for you. And if your heart is open to His hand of guidance for your life, He's going to take you to some good places. Even when you suffer affliction. Let me say that again because sometimes we blame God for affliction. We don't have to. The world has enough affliction. So even when we're in affliction and our tendency is to blame God, we can come to Him knowing that God wants what's best for us even in affliction, even when times are hard. He has purposes for our lives, even if it's only going deeper with Him. Even if all God wants is more relationship with you, then that's what God wants. And that's what God will offer you through affliction. God wants to go deeper with you. So your heavenly father loves you. And a good father wants what's best for his kids. And God always wants what's best for his kids. Romans 8 says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you've not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. You're not a slave of a, you know, a slaver. No, you're a child. You received God's Spirit when He adopted you as His own children. Now you call Him Abba Father or Daddy Father. We must get to this place where we approach our Heavenly Father knowing that even though life may be messed up and even when we have fallen and failed, God still wants what's best for us. And you do not have to fear His best purposes for your life. And so we see God as, we see Jesus as Lord. We see God as our Father. And we see Jesus as our friend. 
our friend. We relate to Jesus as Lord. We make him Lord of our life. And we come to God as our Father. But we walk through life with Jesus being our friend. Romans 5, 10 through 11. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. Did you know that God wants to be your friend? Does that seem weird to you? I understand. I hold intention. He's the all-powerful creator. I understand he's going to come back and judge the earth. I understand all those things. But the Bible also tells us that Jesus Christ has made us a friend of God. And God wants you to view your relationship with him, at least in part, that way. Are you glad today that you're a friend of God? Is that a good thing for you? It's a good thing for me. I'm telling you, I turn to him all the time. I love my friendship with God. What do you think about when you hear the word friend? Like, like let's just talk about your earthly friendships. What do you look for in a good friend? What are some of the things you look for in a good friend? I think some of the things I look for is someone who listens. God listens. Someone who doesn't judge. God doesn't judge. He will judge. But at this time, he's not here to judge. He came to seek and save. Someone who doesn't shame or punish you. He doesn't have to. We do a good job of that ourselves. You know, a friend is somebody who's always available. God's always available. A friend is somebody who speaks the truth in love. God will be committed to speaking the truth to you in love in hopes that the areas of your life that you need to change, you will change. I have a couple of of good friends in my life that have said to me, you know, Kurt, you can call me anytime. You can text me anytime. And these are people that I believe will tell me the truth as they see it in my life. They'll love me enough to tell me the truth. They'll help me stay on track. But these are people who are available to me anytime. Uh, I don't have a lot of those. I have a few of those. But what I want to say to you today is Jesus is that friend. Because sometimes the fact is people aren't available when you need them. Or sometimes the fact is maybe they can't handle what you're going through at the moment. Jesus can. Jesus is there for you. Jesus wants you to turn to him. He said, cast all your cares on me because I care for you. He said, hook up with me because my burden is light. I'm going to help you carry yours. Jesus wants to be your friend. So for a few moments today, I just want to respond in worship. I want you to stand with me. And I want us in this next song to be thankful for the friend that Jesus is. Be thankful for the friendship that he offers. And if you have a shallow relationship with Jesus the friend, then I would encourage you this week that as you move toward Thanksgiving Day, that you would develop that relationship. You'd go a little deeper. You'd share a little more with him. You'd be a little more vulnerable with Jesus than you've been before and enter into a deeper friendship because that's what Jesus wants with you. Let's worship him.